Hello, ladies and gents, and welcome to episode 10 of the KDH podcast. Today, we are going to be discussing mental health, exercise, and feeling like a boss. And I've got Michael Alua. Is it Alua, mate? I always, I always read that and I'm like, can't, can't say it properly. I, I, I kind of like when people butcher it a little bit because it's a good conversation starter. It's you, Joa, so it's very different. I said, all right. So I was completely yeah, off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've, been following, I've been following Michael for about a year and a half, and that is how I've pronounced it. So completely wrong. It's all good. Yeah, my dad's Spanish, so it's a bit of a weird one. So I, yeah, people have said it way worse than that. So you did well. Thank you. No, that's cool. So just before we get started, guys, um, I just want to put a wee bit of a disclaimer in. Um, we are going to be discussing some points in mental health here. And obviously, me and Michael aren't mental health professionals. However, we have a lot of experience in the gym floor as coaches, online coaching, group coaching. And we are just speaking from experiences here, our own experiences and experiences as coaches. Is there anything else you want to add to that, mate? <clears throat> No, you summarized it perfectly there, I think. No, cool. Right, so before we get started as well, make sure that if you are listening to the podcast that you are (laughs) screenshotting it, make sure that you're adding it to your stories on Instagram and Facebook because that's how we share the message and get it out there more as well. So firstly, we're going to start off, mate. What is your story? Where did you start and what are you doing now? Love it. Thank you so much for having me on, mate. I'm looking forward to this today. That's cool, man. So... Um, I, my name is Michael Ujoa. I'm an online personal trainer, uh, nutrition coach. Uh, I have a background in occupational therapy. So I studied and trained as an occupational therapist about kind of five or six years ago. Uh, worked in that setting for a few years before transitioning over to personal training. Uh, it was supposed to be a, a nice little stop gap before I discovered what I wanted to do with my life. And kind of six or seven years later, I'm still here thriving, absolutely loving it. Uh, I'm a speaker fitness writer, content creator, podcaster, basically spend far too much time on social media. Um, and that's pretty much me in a little nutshell. I'm um, just a bit of a nutrition nerd. Um, I've been online coaching mainly for around like two or three years now. And yeah, I've worked with clients in about 16, 17 different countries now. And I honestly believe we have the best job in the world. No, we certainly do, mate. You're absolutely bang on. That's a, a good little introduction there, mate. Um, talking about um, what you were saying there, and we got, sorry, I've literally just lost what I was saying there. Um, <laughs> you are, no, like, so um, a, a good point that you touched base on there. Someone, one of my friends, me and him were out for lunch on Sunday, and he asked me, he said, what are you working tomorrow, mate? And I said, like, I was like, just doing lots of different stuff. And then someone also asked me the other week what my hourly rate was. And I was like, well, you do, as you said, you, you do all this content creation all this different stuff and you are on social media quite a lot but it is it's like i genuinely love it as well and it's such a good good yeah. job um so what yeah I, I like it's funny you say that because i think when people train as a pt like i know i've seen other people sharing your stories and you've got a lot of listeners who are personal trainers or kind of just coming into the industry and i think that's one thing that, that doesn't get spoken about enough on pt courses is you train as a coach as a personal trainer and you think right i'm gonna help people with their exercise and then nutrition, uh, and then like a few lifestyle factors or whatever. But then I don't think you realize that you then have to kind of know how to navigate social media. You have to be good at marketing, website design, accounting, bookkeeping, like all yeah. these different things that come into play. It's, um, yeah, the skills that you kind of have to teach yourself, um, are, are, they're, they're amazing. Like I, I feel like such a, maybe making my head a bit big here, but I feel like <laughs> quite a, well-ra- a well-rounded professional from all the other stuff that I have to do for my job when, when people say they're a personal trainer, I don't think you quite take into consideration how much work goes in behind the scenes there. No, yeah. And like one of the, you, you've just nailed it in the head there. I always use the example of the metaphor snowballing and it's a perfect example of this. Like so many people ask me questions when it's starting off. They're like, what about this? How many calories? What about this? And you're like, just do it. 
just start <laughs> doing it and it will evolve it will grow as long as you are consistent with it it will just keep going and like people are always saying things like i had a new client out today and he was going god i feel so unfit and i was like I'm not thinking about where he is right now. I'm, I'm telling him the things to do so I know where he's going to be in a matter of months. But they're always focusing on there and now and I'm always just, I'm always looking ahead. I'm always thinking about what needs to be done here so that this can grow to here. And I think that's like one thing as becoming a, a self-employed personal trainer, like that is definitely um, what I've learned throughout it. It's, it's way beyond. They just take like the six-week course is a shambles. Like it is actually like, yeah. like they spend so much time on like programming like it's like two weeks of the module and like genuinely just programming and to be honest like a program's worse than worth the piece of paper it's written on it's the execution and it's the yeah it's everything else it's so much more to it than that I but i think it's a bit like driving a car isn't it like you you kind of learn how to drive with your driving instructor but you don't really learn how to drive until you're kind of out yeah. there and on your own it's like exactly the same yeah and i think as well i, I was talking about this recently like I was thinking back to when I was driving when I was 17. I was like, I should not have been driving. <laughs> like, it was so, so, so bad. Yeah. And I think that's the same as like a lot of jobs now because a lot of jobs are getting people through fast because it's money, it's time, it's, it's cost. But again, this obviously creates, and I spoke about this in, in numerous previous podcasts, this creates a lot of the confusion that's in the industry. But the thing that I've always, I'm absolutely baffled by, and you'll know plenty of coaches like this as well, there are people that in 10 years, they will still be doing the same kettlebells class. <laughs> they won't have made any improvements. <laughs> but I feel like there's, there's like two different types of people. There's people that are open to learning and there's people that just aren't. And I think like, don't get me wrong, it's not meaning that everyone's going to go down the same route. And I suppose it's the same in fitness. People aren't just going to join the gym and immediately accelerate. Some people are going to need extra guidance. Some people are going to need extra coaching. But some people, you can give them nothing and they run miles with it. Do you know what I mean? You give them a mention, and they take them out. Like, literally, like, you give them, like, you're like, right, do this. And you're like, holy crap, man, I can't believe what you've done. Yeah, so it's, that's true. It's, it's true. As I said, like, we honestly do have the best job. And, and yeah, you learn so much. Like, once you start coaching, I always think when you first start PTing, it's kind of like an apprenticeship, isn't it? You finish yeah. that course and then you're still, like, really just getting started. And um, a lot of people go into PTing because they're promised, like, get a job. You'll get loads of personal training clients, 40, 50 quid an hour. And it's just really not like that. Yeah. I think you have to accept the fact right at the beginning of your career, you're going to be earning pretty much no money. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's worth grinding through, though. Yeah, no, definitely as it is. So moving on to the next part, mate, what is your priority as a coach now and what's your plans for the future? Oh, blimey. Uh, I think always sustainability is on my mind when I'm working with every client here. Um, my priority is, it always sounds like a bit of a crappy business model, but my goal is to always make it so that my clients are self-sufficient and they never need me in the future. Yeah. Um, so if you can kind of think of it like that, and, and my job is to... Uh, bestow all of my wisdom upon all of my clients and I like to think that most of my clients when I finish working with them are probably more clued up than most personal trainers that are within the industry like my goal is to teach them about why I'm doing every step of the process making sure that the goals and the habits that we're introducing are going to be there long term so that I mean, all of us like having a coach. Sometimes I'll hire coaches to do my programming because it shakes things up but when you know how to do everything yourself, it's an absolute game changer. Yeah. So I think you probably feel exactly the same way, but sustainability is always in mind there. Yeah, no, definitely. I, I totally do. And uh, I did mention this on the last podcast as well. The worst advice I ever heard was don't tell your clients everything that you know, because that will keep them there. And I think that, as you said, if you can get someone completely sustainable, 
they end up staying with you because you're a good coach. Because do you know what? One of the most powerful things, like I've had coaching, I've, I've literally just hired a coach for the Ironman that I'm planning to do next mm-hmm. year. And um, see, just having someone there that if you've had a shit day and you're like, you just need to, like, just that person there to remind you that it's all right. Like, things are all right. You're doing fucking great. Just keep moving in the right yeah. direction. That alone is a good enough reason to have a coach in place because everyone is going to have those days no matter what. And uh, that's why I love it. Like, there's, it's not that you, you know that different clients are going to need different types of attention to different things as well. Um, some genuinely, it's just programming and training. Others, it might be that they need you to constantly remind them to be in a routine. Others, it might be they, they totally they need clued up on nutrition more. So, as it's, mm-hmm. as it's a good job, man. So, um, that's really good. Yeah, also, it is, it's funny when you say that because, like, sorry to interrupt you there, mate. Sorry. It's, I think that's that's something that a lot of coaches, when they come into the industry, do worry about, especially when you're starting off when you're kind of if you don't have many clients and, and the income is so low, you're a little bit worried to kind of give your clients too much confidence that they will run and not need you anymore. That's always going to be a worry. But I think you've always got to play the long game when it comes to health and fitness, um, especially when you're a PT. And I feel like if you can provide such a good service that that client doesn't need you anymore, the results and the word of mouth that comes from that client is going to be so much better than just providing a crappy service that keeps the client around because they're worried about what they're going to do when they don't have you around. Yeah, no, definitely. And I, I said this on my live yesterday in my group. I was doing a seminar into my online coaching group. And I said, I'm winging it. I said, I am completely winging it. I went like that. And everyone is. Don't let anyone kid you on. Everyone is winging it. Obviously, mm-hmm. there is a backbone. There's a structure in place. But like, I was sitting saying, like, see the beginning of the lockdown, I was actually sat on the Sunday going, having a bit of a meltdown, going like to uh, my girlfriend, Ailey. I was saying, what the fuck do I do? Like, yeah what do I do here? Like, what is going to happen? And then from there, it's just evolved and turned into something. And I think that's like, and as I, was, I mentioned it earlier on as well, like, just do it. The minute you, you just do something, I sound like Nike, a Nike advert. Um, so the minute you start doing something, like the ball starts yeah. rolling, it generates momentum and it just keeps growing and growing. And think about that with your, your fitness goals. Think about it with um, any aspirations that you have at all. But the one thing that so many people don't do is they don't have a plan and they don't take action. Mm-hmm. In taking action, you might make mistakes, you might have bumps in the road, but you'll learn from them. And if you keep doing them, it's just stupid. If you keep making the same mistakes, it's, they are decisions, they're no longer mistakes. So obviously that's a big one there. But um, moving on to the next question. So kind of tapping into the sort of the mental health side of what we wanted to speak about there. It's not specifically targeted at one area. It's just all different topics, talking about mindset training. Beyond physique changes, Michael, and fat loss, what do you think training can actually do for someone? Because we get so caught up in this. Like, as a society, I train people all the time that are constantly comparing themselves to other people. What do you think training can do for someone beyond that? It can change your life. And I know that sounds quite uh, out there, but it it really can. I think when like a lot of clients come to you, they'll have these set goals that they go for. It might be kind of like, I want to lose two stone. Say it's like a random goal. And I don't think people really start delving into the intricacies of that enough. And I think that once you start getting into a good routine of doing exercise that you enjoy, eating food that makes you feel good and just focusing on your general well-being, I feel like getting an effective training or nutrition program down can really be a catalyst into every other area of your life improving, whether that can be 
relationships, business, career, like absolutely everything. Um, I think like, as we mentioned at the start, mental health is a huge one. Uh, it's one of the main reasons that I lift weights. Of course, I love to look good with my top off. Who doesn't? Like yeah. I want to look good in a t-shirt, but it goes so much deeper than that. And I find that as soon as my training goes out of sync, if I kind of fall off the wagon slightly or if I may be overdoing it and not focusing on why I should be exercising my mental health just starts to get really really bad and I feel like yeah it's one of the most underrated aspects of exercise as I said people come to you with these kind of weight loss goals and and whatever they want to achieve but the mental changes that come from it are far more important yeah no definitely and um, I think tapping into the mental health side of things they're like I've got clients that are uh, that I've had, I've trained people that are mental health professionals, uh, people that are just general nurses, um, doctors, all people in these sort of different medical practices, and we have the discussion talking about like the impacts of exercise and obviously a strong mindset. And I think the cliche is is like people here. Like, imagine someone with terribly bad depression telling them to go and train isn't going to fix that. However. Mm-hmm your actions and your environment throughout your life have a massive influence on where your head is going to. Like, um, I was listening to a podcast with Paul Mort yesterday and it's like people with their decisions can really, no one wants to be depressed. No one, no one just gets it. It happens over a period of time. Um, there are things like we were speaking about it as well. It can be a chemical imbalance in the brain, but again, like Matt, like what you do in your life throughout your life, like I know fine well in the UK, people take recreational drugs every single weekend they go out and drink every single weekend. That then has an adverse effect on how you feel throughout the week. You might not train that week. Then it starts snowballing the other direction. And then all of a sudden, like I've, I've trained so many people where they're coming in and when you're doing a parkour form, they're sitting down and they're talking about their own antidepressants, um, all these different things. But then you start digging into the, the, light, the lifestyle and they're sitting up to 1 a.m. every single night. And I'm like, how long have you been doing this for? Well, it's, they're not even batting an eyelid at it. And you're like, so you've been doing this for the past five years and like just like, but then that starts to mount up that they're not productive the next day. They still maybe start to gain weight because they're making poor, poorer nutritional choices. They're maybe unhappy in a relationship and a job that alone, all of that compounds massively over time to have a massive, massive impact. And I'm not, obviously I know that people do not choose mental health. I know that I know people that have suffered really badly from depression, anxiety, and it's actually horrible to see that happen to someone. But at the same time, with the way that we're lazy as a society, we are, we've got, so, we've got an abundance of technology at, at our fingertips. We can literally order food to a door in a matter of minutes. We can order clothes. You can go to Amazon. You can, I, got, I ordered stuff off Amazon the other day and it was here within 24 hours. Um, there's just same day delivery, man. That just blows my mind. Yeah, it's crazy. And like, <laughs> yeah. I just think that like people sometimes like it's, it's the same with like fat loss. People overcomplicate it. When you strip it back to bare bones, it is just one mm-hmm. principle. When they build muscle, people try to overcomplicate it with fancy exercises. But like again, yeah. people look so. Yeah, cool. I mean, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be. Of course, I would never be kind of so bold to be like, ah, oh, like you don't need the medication, or, or yeah, there, there's, a, there's a reason. I know what this reason is that you're kind of feeling or experiencing these mental health issues. But I feel if you can change your lifestyle in a way that puts you in the best possible way for recovery, then you're giving yourself the best chance that you can to help improve yeah. your mental health in the future. So I, yeah, especially nutrition. I think nutrition is massively underplayed too. Uh, I think it, it's, it stems from personal training courses, as you mentioned, just being pretty useless when it comes to nu- uh, nutrition advice. They follow the government guidelines, which 
for most people, they're just a non-existent. We see what's happening in the news at the moment with what Boris Johnson's suggesting as, as how we're going to help with the obesity crisis. And I just think nutrition is massively underplayed. And if, if that can be a strong focus, then as I said, you're going to put yourself in the best possible position for hopefully feeling better in the future. And yeah, yeah I know you put a strong emphasis on nutrition too, which is awesome, but yeah, yeah. No, not enough coaches yeah. do. Thanks for tapping into that. Because like, something I don't want to come across like I'm, I'm one way, like, well, you don't need this. I, I'm not trying to say that at all. And like, mm-hmm. that's, it's, I was a bit nervous about this podcast before because the minute you, you mentioned mental health, it's like, oh, like, yeah. I don't know how to go about that. But I think like our jobs that we're in, I have seen what uh, implementing a solid routine, progressive exercise, what it can do for someone, what it's done for me. Like I used to be genuinely really unhappy in my job and exercise has led me to doing this podcast today. Mm-hmm. Like doing this, like that, like that's the, what exercise has done for me. And I think people yeah. get, they, they sometimes look at it and like, what's throwing a dumbbell going to do for you? What's going out mm-hmm. for a run? What's downloading Couch to 5K? They're looking too closely and you're like, no, no, you don't realize that it gives you a purpose a very, very big purpose. And I think when you don't have a purpose, if you don't have a routine, that's when you can really start feeling low. That's when obviously you could potentially set yourself up for future, like obviously implications with your mental health. And that's what I'm trying to get at. That's that's probably a better summarization of coming back to that. I was talking more yeah. about it. Yeah, no, 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 you, no, you summed it up well, mate, don't worry. And it, I think it's, yeah, you're, you're right. We really struggle when it comes to, to talking about mental health and everyone's always worried, especially about putting ourselves out there on social media. We're always worried about saying the wrong thing. I am too. Every time I, I record a podcast, I listen back and I'm super critical of everything that I say. But I think it's a starting point and these conversations need to happen. Um, and I think it's also people think that um, they need to do too much as well. Um, if Especially if you're not in a great place mentally, I think people look at like a fitness journey ahead of them and they think that they have to be exercising four or five times a week. They have to be doing meal prep. They have to be making sure they're getting all the right sleep and they're drinking enough water and not getting stressed. And I think if people can just really focus on the basics and nail those first, it can be a great platform to build upon. And then you can further build upon that when you start to feel a little bit better too. So yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting topic. And as you said, we, we never want to kind of step out of our little personal trainer bubble and, and uh, encroach upon another um, healthcare professional's area of expertise. But yeah. it definitely can have such a huge impact. And I think that personal trainers need to step up and, and fill that void slightly. Yeah, and the reason like I, the reason I got more confident with it was when I'd speaking to spoken to anyone at my boot camp that was a mental health professional, we spoke about it or a nurse or a medical professional. And they were like, you need to vocalize that more because <laughs> it's like, it's so true. And I think like, I don't want people to think, oh, you need to exercise. You're going to feel better for that. As I said, that's not going to do anything there and then. Like, however, like your habits over a long, extensive period of time are a reflection of you in the future as well. Like what, <laughs> what you're doing now is going to really, really mold your future self. That's probably <laughs> a better analogy to break it down like that there. So, um, yeah, um, Moving on to the next point, mate, because that was, uh, we kind of really went off on that one there because it is a massive thing. Like yeah. exercise, like, to be honest, like I, I kind of wanted to add into that. I, I mentioned already that it got me into doing the job that I'm doing today. And I also touched base on saying that I've had clients that have went, because I've mentioned like, like after people come and you've probably had it as well, mate, where the, the execution exercises ace, right? They are a hard worker, a committed person. They're, they're just their mindset's not in it and you start to realize it's because they hate their job and you're like 
see that the effect that can have and i've probably mentioned this in the podcast about five times but see if you are that unhappy you're only here once and hopefully throughout lockdown if maybe don't look at like if you were in a job and you hated it and you got made redundant look at it as a good thing don't look at it as a bad thing and look at it that it's, it's a blessing in disguise as well because like that's it's probably a very photo that's it's pretty optimistic thinking i was like no it's 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 a decision on your mindset it's like Mm-hmm. how you want to choose to uh, pursue something or like how, how it looks. And I think that's a big one there. So um, no, yeah, moving on to the next point, mate, <laughs> from your experience coaching and personally, what does training do for your mental health? We kind of touched base on that a wee bit there, but like when you go to the gym, what do you like? Do you, have you missed the gym throughout lockdown? How have you felt with home workouts and stuff? Yeah. I, I mean, I definitely have. I've had some really good workouts at home. I've been pleasantly surprised with how good my training's been at home, but I think that's because I bought some resistance bands and kettlebells. So it's not felt too difficult. Um, but yeah, mental health, as I said, is a big part of why I train. Um, like as a kid, I was naturally a bit of a funny looking kid. I was super slim, very underconfident. Um, and I think that training, especially strength training, um, it had a huge impact on my mental health. It just kind of made me feel a bit more kind of self-confident, maybe feel a little bit better about myself. Um, I know that we never want to make the physical changes of exercise, like the priority here, but I think that it's still a perfectly healthy, yeah. healthy and uh, fine thing to talk about. Um, I mean, I'm not one of those personal trainers that, that constantly post pictures with my top off. Like I don't feel like especially like the client base that I'm attracting. I don't find it's that helpful, but um, like I want to exercise and look good with my top off because I feel good. That impacts my mental health and that can really help. Um, but yeah, I, I think that the mental health aspect is why I got into, which you mentioned the Ironman as well. Like I did an Ironman 70.3 a couple of years ago. I really got into my kind of running and swimming and cycling. And even though that was stepping away from the physique changes that I was trying to achieve, like building muscle was my main goal before, I found that the mental headspace and the mental clarity that I gained from doing an event like that um, was an absolute game changer. And now I'm a huge advocate of cardio, even when you're trying to build muscle, I'm a huge advocate of cardio. Um, and I think that, especially from doing an event like that, for some people, an Ironman event is probably maybe a bit outside of their scope, or it's just not something they want to achieve. But even if Let's say that you're completely sedentary now. Aiming for a 5K can feel like a huge undertaking. And I feel that signing up for an event like that, training for an event like that can completely change your life. Yeah. Uh, and that sounds, that's, that's a bold claim, but I do feel that training for that Ironman 70.3 event has given me a completely different outlook on myself, my capabilities, what I can achieve with my business, what I can achieve with my life. And I strongly encourage anyone to sign up to an event that scares them a little bit because it can just give you that push to, to change every other area up. Yeah. And can I go back to tying in that, that like me, I'm the same. I'm I'm a big advocate of lifting weights. I do CrossFit. Um, I love running. I've recently got a bike signed up to Ironman. I'm going to be doing triathlon. I love it. Hey, like, like, it's it's a fun journey, but there's yeah. going to be some horrible days. Embrace yeah, well, them. <laughs> that's what um, my coach got in touch with me yesterday. He was saying that. He's like, I'm looking. I seen a cycle that I done yesterday, and he was saying, I'm looking forward to getting you. I'm doing my first. We're using a system called Training Peaks, and he's yep. doing all. So basically, it ties in with your Garmin, and he's doing my, my first trial session on Sunday and Monday. So I'm looking forward to that. But he, he did. He mentioned on the phone, he's like, We're going to train you. To, to do your best when you're feeling your worst and I was like I'm buzzing for it but like yeah see when you do these challenges like 
a lot of folk, I've done a lot of different challenges. I've done one halfway through lockdown. It was a thousand burpees. And um, like doing these sort of things, like I love what they teach you for yourself. I love what you gain from it. Like, like and it mm-hmm. does, it does sound cliche, but you learn so much about yourself. Like that you go like that, fuck me. I just put myself through like two hours of hell. Well, last year I done a 24 hour event and uh, over an errand called Unbreakable. And you do these things and you go, Jesus Christ, man, I'm still standing. And I think like what I always tell my clients, we I do a lot of conditioning sessions outside, my boot camp style training and a lot of just sort of gritty work just to get mm-hmm. folk really fit. And I'm like, you don't need to realize that a lot of people say um, statements like, oh, it's, it's 80% uh, mental and it's 20%. And I'm always laughing. I'm like, who the fuck made these up? Who made these these stats up? It isn't, it isn't any sort of divide anything. However, physical readiness will take you to a point, but then it just ships onto pure mental hardship. Like it genuinely comes to a point where you're like, your body's in bits, you're tired, but it's still functioning fine. You're able to fire yeah. through all cylinders and you're just in your head like, holy shit, man. But then see, after that, you you get this buzz. It's actually giving me, it sounds crazy. I get shivers thinking about it, but like you come away <laughs> from true. it and you're like, you're like, I feel like I could take on the fucking world. Someone could throw a brick at me right now and I would still keep shifting. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Have you read uh, the book by, I'm looking over there because I think I've got the book over in the room. I can't, uh, Ross Edgley's latest book. I don't yeah, know if I just read, read it. I just finished it. So I love how he talks about like the 40% zone that the American yeah, yeah. commandos talk about how like you kind of think you're at your limit and that's it. But really yeah, that's, only, that's like, um, the end it, of our capabilities. I love it. Yeah. So it's there. What is it? Um, I can't remember. I've been talking about it nonstop. It's it's got central governor theory, and um, basically it's talking about the forty percent rules of the U.S. Navy SEAL. Um, That's the one. And it's basically talking about that when someone thinks they're at their absolute limit, the reason that your head's telling you that is because it's essentially trying to defend itself. Mm-hmm. And what Ross Edgley sums up is there is no way to um, to basically build resilience. It's only for a matter of time. But it's so interesting to see the stuff that he. He completely defied um, all sports science, and the and like that. That He's is just really, another level. And the is, thing about Ross Edgley as well that I love about him is he seems like a genuinely nice guy, which is a rare thing within the fitness industry. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, there's so many people that I've looked up to personally and professionally that have turned out to not be the characters that I think that they are. But yeah. Ross Edgley genuinely seems like one of the good guys, and he's an yeah. absolute animal as well. I know. Like, like if you if you don't follow Ross Edgley. Um, that book's basically about he swam around the UK. Uh, you did, you heard it right. He swam <laughs> around the UK. But there's a guy actually. There's a guy paddleboarding around the UK right now. <laughs> I've heard about this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But like that's what I love about fitness. Like mm-hmm. someone does something and they open up this doorway to like holy shit, more of us can do this. Like yeah. someone breaks like yeah. like um, Roger uh, Bannister broke the four minute fi- four minute mile. No one thought it could be done. And there's now over a thousand runners that have done it. Yeah, it's a mindset thing. Like it's the way I like to look at it is we all have like this ceiling that we that we imposed upon ourselves. And I feel like we need to do some sort of event or something that pushes out of our comfort zones. And then it forces that ceiling even higher. And then what you think with your life, what you can achieve is is way more than you ever thought possible. And then eventually you'll hit that peak and you'll then need to do something else to push it even higher. But I honestly do feel that it's like that. And people like Ross Edgley, when you see what the human body is capable of, both physically and mentally, yeah. it changes the game do you know like i'm sitting like when i made this the, the points for you mate i didn't like it said this is how i train i literally do this stuff all the time and i was just going oh, i'm talking about gyms here 
and I love the gym. I love the gym for my headspace. I love doing like I love the community and stuff like that. But like, see, doing these endurance feats, so it doesn't even need to be endurance. See, someone running their first ever five k. That is a mammoth task. That is absolutely mammoth. Yeah. And see that feeling you get when you accomplish that. It's so much better because like, see, looking at like your pecs and going, there's never, there's never a point where they're going to get to a point where you go complete it, mate. Like. That's, that's exactly the thing that's i think that's what i got to i was strength training maybe for like seven years eight years consistently and i kind of kept thinking like like what's next yeah because let's be honest no one really gives a shit how muscly you are other than you like no yeah. one cares if you have abs other than you so i feel like there's always going to be there needs to be something more than just physical changes um i'm never going to knock people that have kind of competing in physique competitions as their goal like if that's you then then good work. But I always feel like, yeah, I need something else. And triathlons was exactly that. Yeah. Like I, I remember getting to that finish line of that triathlon. I'm, I'm glad I was wearing sunglasses. Like I was bawling my eyes out. Like it's such an emotional roller coaster yeah. to see what you can achieve and the amount of yeah. hours and months of training that you've put in. It's, yeah, I can't wait to see. Well, we're both going to be doing our first full Ironman around the similar time. So it's, yeah. Yeah, we'll have to get so, some training sessions we'll, in together. Yeah, no, definitely, mate. We'll be we'll be crying. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah absolutely. No, yeah, no, that's um, but like that is such a like doing these things. Like it, it, it does. It teaches you so much about yourself and like the, the work that goes into it. And I think touching base on what you said there about bodybuilding, I'm not going to not bodybuilding. It's not it's not my cup of tea because as I said. It, see, at the end of the day, the end goal is to be judged by like four or five strangers that they've got, what is their scale what is that scale right and mm -hmm. what i heard this it was james smith that said this recently i think it was him arnold schwarzenegger with this walked off stage on his heyday being at the top and went my calf looks small like that <laughs> like it, there's no like there's no definition of perfection and i think now a lot of people are thrown into body but like the like it's became this i don't think it is so much now but i remember even like three years ago it was like people would get into the gym but like, i'm thinking about competing i'm like why is that your first thought when you get into the gym yeah. like and you need to be in such a strong mindset for that and me and my my friend andrew uh, andrew banks he done a, a con uh, competition prep um he came first in his category it looked insane the guy he was talking about it and he says that like he's a strong-headed guy and he went it tested his relationship with food and it did for, for a long time after. Um, he's, he, he said it was like mild body dysphoria. He was constantly like afterwards, like that sort of phobia of like, oh my God, I'm fat. And you're like yeah. sitting at a, a nice healthy body fat percentage, but you deem yourself fat because you were unsustainably thin. And I think like yeah. if you are going to go down the route of bodybuilding, be aware of it. Like it's, it, fair enough. If that's what you want to do, go for it. But be aware that that is a, a tough, tough thing to do to be down at that body fat percentage. I think that's why it's never interested me mainly because like I got into health and fitness because I wanted to improve my health. Uh, and I feel like when you get to the extremes of physique competing, that isn't healthy. And I think that needs to be advertised a little bit more than it is like getting yourself down to crazy low level percentage body fat is not healthy. It's not sustainable. Like females that go into bodybuilding, I don't think they quite understand the long-term risks of dropping their body fat that low. Yeah. Um, especially like men menstrual cycle interruptions. And it can sometimes take months and months and months to repair that. So that's why it's never really interested me. And the kind of longer form cardio has, because it feels okay, it's still pushing the extremes, but it feels a little bit more health focused. Yeah. I think. I don't really, it doesn't scream out health to me. That's the one thing it doesn't like starving yourself doesn't scream out health. And that's why I'm like, 
Like a lot of, and you see so many people that they don't go into a contest prep like, oh, I looked amazing. I'll become a PT. And you're like, mm -hmm. then they're putting fitness in your name and they've done absolutely nothing fitness. <clears throat> like they class walking as cardio and you're like, come on, man. Like, that isn't, that's like, that's, you shouldn't be like placing walking as cardio. Everyone should be walking. Every single day, everyone should be walking. That's just a matter of life. It's good for your yep. mind. It's not just good for energy balance. It's good for your mindset. It's good for your mental health. <laughs> it's probably when I'm the most creative when I'm out for a walk. Um, mm -hmm. I recently started this week as well, mate. Um, I've read it in three books now. And I was like, I need to do this. <clears throat> My morning routine is pretty good in regards to um, probably comparing it to like Joe Average. It's like I'm up, at, I'm always up at an early time. I'm regimented. I've got a to-do list. I'm very, very committed to what I need to do. But mm -hmm. um, I found myself setting up late on my phone. I found myself immediately reaching for my phone when I wake up. And I, I will, it's, I'm not even, I'm doing what? As soon as I wake up, that's not good for you. Waking up out of bed and reaching for your phone. So the past week I have been, I bought an alarm clock. And what I'm doing is I'm setting my alarm 40 minutes earlier than what I have every single day. So whatever the time is, I usually get up. And I don't, I, I reach for my phone, but it's only to put on a podcast. And I go out for a walk and I've done that, mate. And I came back and I've had a cold shower and see how good I felt starting my day off. Like I've been learning, I've been thinking, I've been active. I've got a little bit of sunlight, well, sunlight-ish in Scotland, um, <laughs> fresh air. And mm -hmm. it's like, I'm, I'm downstairs, I'm making breakfast. Then I start my day. I've gave myself some time. I've done some learning and see how good that is for your mental health. Like I know it's only been free. I know it's only been four days. But that is like, I, honestly, like I'm starting my day and I'm like, I feel like I've been up for ages. I feel fresh. And some days I walk downstairs and I'm groggy. I'm like, I didn't sleep well last night. And then you're throwing yourself straight into work. Um, and it's not good for your head. Um, so obviously we're talking about not how not doing things is good for your head. Doing too much isn't good for your head either. So you need to find that balance. But again, you're going to make mistakes on the way of that balance as well. You're going to learn that, that I can't do this. Like I used to happily go into work at 6 a.m., finish at 9, have a split shift, then start at 6 again the next day. I, I was basically just working. I would end up working for like 72 hours straight with some sleep in between it. And I just wouldn't switch off from work. And I'd just be talking to Ailey about work. And she's like, Chris, you shut the fuck up. Like, <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah. And it's not good for you. Like you need to switch off. And I think that's been something I've really been doing a bit of, bit of soul searching with since lockdown because I had a really good relationship with work, work life balance. And it took me a good few years to, to really develop. And then going straight back into lockdown, I went full on work. Like I, like to, mm -hmm. I knew the, the importance of being busy, but now I'm trying to create it so that I'm getting the balance right again. So just, I, I wanted to add that in guys, cause it, it never stops. Even for us coaches, you're always looking at ways to improve and make things better as well. But you get any, anything else to add into that, mate? Because that's just a bit of a random point. No, no, no. I like it though. It's, uh, I'm the same as well. I think uh, lockdown, because we're all in our homes a lot more, it's really difficult to separate like work, home life, uh, and all and all the stuff that kind of life encompasses when you're living in the same space. Uh, 24 hours a day. Um, so I've definitely struggled with that as well. Um, I'm naturally a bit of a workaholic anyway. I do tend to work quite long hours and I have regular conversations with my wife about how much I work and, and me trying to find a better balance with it. And I do try. Um, but yeah, that you do need to kind of look after your mental health on that side of things too. I know there's always going to be an element of when you first start up a new career or um, you're wanting to kind of reach the heights of an industry or you have some optimistic goals that you want to achieve. There's always going to be an element of 
working slightly harder than normal or than most people. But yeah, it's finding that balance is really important. And as you say about the morning routine thing, we've been doing the same this week, actually. It's funny you say that. This week, we've been setting our alarm an hour earlier than we have been throughout the rest of lockdown, getting up, having breakfast or going for a nice walk. And it is making such a huge difference. My productivity throughout the day has been 10 times better this week. Yeah, it's just that start to the day. You wake up and you're like, you're not like... It's not that I, I don't ever not look for, I, I do really love my, my work, but yeah, it gets to a point where you're like, I think you have to start questioning what you're doing if mm-hmm. you're going to your work and you're like miserable at it because you need to either change it or as we were saying, we are someone that people that are very passionate about what we do, then it needs to be a routine that needs to change because that's obviously impacting it. But I always tell everyone that this thing that we call life, it never stops. It never mm-hmm. stops and you're constantly tweaking it. And I think this sort of like have people have this sense of like there's a perfection that there's this ultimatum they need to reach. Like I always talk to clients and they're like, my nutrition has not been good this week. And I'm like, what's not been good about it? And they're like, well, I had a takeaway at the weekend. I'm like, right. And I'm like, these good. are people that have been <laughs> yeah, trained yeah. with me for a while. And I'm yeah, like, yeah. I'm like, what do you mean? I'm like, well, well, not, do you think that you're not allowed to eat that? Like, do you think mm-hmm. that, oh, like, I've been really busy at work this week. I've been busy with the kids and I've not been able to exercise, cool. Are you going to continue exercising? Yeah. I'm like, well, okay. Like folks yeah. don't get that it's like, like, and then I was talk, chatting about this. Another point I was chatting to one of my clients about the other day. People see, it's not that it annoys me, but like all a lot of people based fitness on is body transformation, right? And we're talking about what it does way beyond that. And I want to teach people that. I want to teach them the control they can have over their life, that the, they can eliminate the stress of, having guilt over food that they eat. And that's what I want to do. And I feel like sometimes people work off of like, oh, did you see what that person done with them? I'm like, yeah, that person dropped body fat because they were consistent with a routine, right? Mm-hmm. But like people just get so stuck on the things that they deem it like, I'm like, but you need to remember is that that, is, that person that's made that transformation is still gonna, they're not gonna look like that forever. I'm not trying to take away yeah. from what someone's done. And it's like, like half the transformations I put up or someone got really lean, they won't look like that. I don't look the way I look in photos that if I put a photo up and I've maybe done a bit of a cut or something and I'm like super duper lean and like, I don't look like that year round. Mm-hmm. Like no one does unless you're a weirdo. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's yet. No, I never have abs. It's fine. I've accepted that. I'm, I'm not bothered by it. So yeah, I think that's it's the problem with the fitness industry at the moment is it's this all or nothing approach and that's it. And I think that people can, that need to realize that it doesn't have to be so intense and so um, kind of draining uh, as well. Like your fitness regime and your eating regime should supplement your lifestyle. It shouldn't be the other way around. And I think if people started to look at exercise and nutrition in that way, so many people would be happier with the process. Like you don't need to be exercising five, six days a week and having a takeaway is not the end of the world. Like you should be able to do all of these things and it's all about balance. So that's why people like us need to keep championing that approach because there's not enough coaches doing it. I always like the one where I've had this conversation with a few people and I'm pushing their calories up because they've (laughs) been in a deficit for where it might either be like a bit of a a refeed where they've been in a deficit for four weeks and we're pushing (laughs) them back up. Or it's a case of the like, Christian, I want to start adding a bit more muscle mass on. And I'm like, and maybe they're a lean individual. And it's this complex that, oh my God, I'm going to get fat. And I'm like, right, did you get, so when you got lean, did you get lean overnight? No, mm-hmm. it happened over a period of time. Right, it works the same way with overconsumption as well. You didn't get yeah. fat in a day. 
it happened over a, an extended period of time because of your habits in life. And it's the same with maintenance. People get like, it's just, I love that people are tracking data, but I hate when people get so strung up in numbers. They're like, so what should my calories be today? And I'm like, somewhere between here. And they're like, what do you mean somewhere between here? And I'm like, there's no, like, there's no optimal number you need to hit. Like, this is what folk need to get out of their head. And I think this probably stems from the contest prep thing where these people have had their calories regimented for the past. They need to hit this much every single day or less. So then they teach people and spout out about, spout out about it on social media. And people are like, oh, but this coach said that I need to eat this much carbohydrates, this much fat, and this much mm-hmm. protein. And I need to hit my calories at this much each day. And you're like, no, you don't. You don't need to do that. What about my fats? Yeah. What about my carbs? And I'm like, just fucking eat food. Like, <laughs> like yeah, just yeah, live within yeah. a range of whatever your desired outcome is. And you like, see, when I'm talking about tracking all the time, I see you chat about it as well. You don't need to track forever. Do it for like, I track like probably four times a year for like two weeks at a time. And it's, Same. Yeah. it's basically to reset. So it might be after Christmas. It might be before a holiday. I don't remember through lockdown there. So that's that's three times in the, over the past year that I've actually done that. And they've only went for two to three weeks at a time. You don't need to do it. The reason that you I think do- that's the criticism. Yeah. Sorry, mate. Carry on. No, no you go in. Add on. No, I was just going to say, I was thinking that's what, why so many people have an issue with calorie counting is because a lot of people feel like it has to be something that you do forever. And it's not like calorie counting or, or tracking your macros or whatever should be a process that you do for a set period of time. And it teaches you the habits and the routines that you can then continue without tracking your calories. And I'm yeah. exactly the same way. Every kind of like two, three months or so, I'll jump in, I'll track for a week, check that I'm around about the right numbers and if I need to start pulling back on certain things or I can increase my calories a bit further and that's what it should be it shouldn't be this this process that as soon as you go off track that's it you've blown it like game over like yeah you've got it absolutely right no it's it's that sort of I love that when I tell someone they're like yesterday I was talking to my client Chris and he was he was saying he was looking at me when I said because he's he's really he's been doing a lot more his his calories were when he started the maze went through a good bit of a weight loss journey he started off and his calories were low they're still the same at what they were in May. He's now doing more exercise and a lot more activity. I was like, mate, they need to be higher. Like they, that's, mm-hmm. you have changed, yeah. not, not your metabolism. Like your, your metabolism will have taken out. Buzzwords, there we go. Yeah, a little bit, yeah. <laughs> I know, yeah, it, techni- it technically yeah. would have because you'll, there's less of you. So it's actually went down, but, um, so it technically has slowed down, but um, forget, I'm not trying to highlight that. I'm just, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a black hole there. Don't go there. Yeah. I know like people will be like, I was listening to the KDH podcast and Chris oh, is metabolism. Um, but yeah, so, and he was, he was looking at me bewildered when I told him to eat like between two, five to two, eight today. And he was looking at me like, I was like, mate, you're not going to like that. Like that's only a couple of hundred calories. It's, 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 it's to give you the, like the energy when you're in a, an energy deficit, you're in a deficit, you're in, you're in a negative energy balance, you're going to be depleted. You're going to start experiencing hunger spikes, especially where like, you're going to have reduced serotonin in your body as well. You're going to feel sad. Um, your sleep might be impacted, and especially if you're doing a lot of training as well. So you need to be aware of all these things. Like, you can't just be like, I'm going to diet till further notice. Like It doesn't work like that. Like You need to put some sort of formality and structure behind it. Um, and that's the thing. I know we've kind of touched into fat loss here, but um, it's such a, everyone wants to get a wee bit leaner and everyone wants to know how to manage it, but you should be striving for maintaining rather than um, being lean uh, all the time. 
Um, and I think that's the sort of, I get it a lot with females um, and I think it's probably the Instagram and stuff and like, I want to look like this person. I'm like, that's not you, you're you. So, um, and a lot of people that maybe had children and stuff and you're like, like you've had two kids, like you're going to have a bit of excess skin. You've had a C-section. You're going to have that scar there. You're going to have, your tissue's going to grow yeah. differently around that area. You're not going to look like that celebrity because they've had all this surgery and like it's just this. Com- I yeah, think it's just the, the social media, isn't it? Social media, yeah, and I think it, it kind of ties yeah. mental health with it's that comparison. And I think what me and you touched base on there, and I was speaking about it yesterday, is when you get that shift in mindset that goes from caring about purely aesthetics to performance, that's a big, big step, stepping stone in your fitness journey. When you start really focusing on performance, because it's like. Look, I don't really, like, I, I think I said in my stories last week, I genuinely train weights twice a week just to keep my shape. Mm-hmm. And yeah. uh, what the other stuff that I do year round is because I love doing it. I love the competition element. I love seeing what my body can go to. But when I do a cut, maybe before a holiday, I get to see that sort of, I go, oh, so that's what all the hard work that I've been doing all year round is done. And like, I genuinely don't think about, I, I remember like when I was first getting into weight training, I used to look in the mirror and be like, all I want is that square chest. See that that line down the middle? And I don't I honestly couldn't give a fuck now. Like I genuinely like I'll hold my hand up and say That's it. Thing, yeah. And it's like it's not that sort of way where I'm like, oh, I don't care, but I actually do. I don't, I genuinely don't care. And mm-hmm. that is a, a yeah. it's, it's funny you say that because when I when I started training for the Ironman as well, like I was very scared about losing my muscle mass. Like I trained for years. I'm naturally quite a slim guy, so any muscle that I put on is is a slog. Um, so I was really worried, but it was amazing after a few months of stepping up my cardio, still doing strength training, so it was still a priority of mine. But I started to look way better when I started incorporating a lot more cardio than when I was just solely doing strength training. Yeah. So yeah, it is funny that when you start kind of exercising in a way that you enjoy, a lot of the time your physique results will just happen as an as like a bit of a a bit of an outcome anyway, without it being the sole focus. So yeah, I'm It'll yeah. be interesting to see how you find kind of the, the tracking of the macros whilst you're stepping really into the training when you start doing those two, three, four hour cycle training sessions. Yeah. It's a, it's a very difficult balancing act when you've, you still want those muscle building goals there, but it's, yeah, it's a fun. Yeah. And challenge. also, um, John was telling me, that's my coach. He was saying that throughout the actual process, he was like, oh, I'm going to incorporate resistance training up until the last eight weeks. And then he mm-hmm. says that we'll be looking at obviously dropping your weight and stuff because carrying excess timber when you're like muscle mass as well, not just body fat, like is yep. every every single pound counts. So it's the last thing you want to do. I done a, me and my friend done a hundred mile cycle a couple of weeks ago. Well, mm-hmm. about six weeks ago. And like, we totally got the nutrition wrong. We didn't, didn't take enough food. And like, I was eating, I can't believe how much food I ate. I was actually like, you're just constantly eating. You're just like, that's one of the things with cycling. You're just constantly putting food away. So you need to have that sort of, uh, you need to have that fuel there. And um, so moving yeah. on to the next point, mate. Personally, I think that a solid routine is key for a strong mindset. What three tips would you tell someone that's trying to establish a routine? I think the first one is, as we've touched upon already, is having a plan in place. Uh, and I know that some people don't thrive on having a very structured week, but I think that if you can, at least with like workouts per se, let's say that you're kind of, you're looking to kind of exercise regularly, but you don't want it to become kind of the sole fo- focus of your week. I would make sure that you schedule your workout routine into your weekly calendar. Like I schedule my workouts into my routine as if it's like a business meeting that I cannot change. If a client wants to book in and that, that's my time. No one's booking into that workout space. Uh, And I feel that if you can start with that, 
things become a lot more consistent. Do you do the same with yours? Do you have like yeah, set yeah. times? So, I've got, so right now I'm doing, to be honest, I usually do, mate. But um, this week um, I'm, I'm doing all my online training, which I've now made part of my training. It's all like CrossFit style, EMOMs, AMAPs. Nice. So that's all set in stone. However, the cycling and running and additional resistance training that I do, I plan all that. So that's mm-hmm. all set in place. That's my non-negotiable. So I want to hit at least one cycle and one run a week. And I want to train weights on my own at least once a week as well. So, yeah. And it's, yeah, I feel if you just can, if you can schedule those sessions into your week, it'll make things so much easier. And then the, the next one, which is one that I say to a lot of my clients as well is, is trying to have a consistent bedtime and morning routine. And that's even on weekends. So many people, they get to the end of the week, they're tired from work and they end up having massive lions and it completely throws off their sleep for the next few days. If you can have a set time that you wake up even during the week, even during weekends, your energy levels will be so much better. People feel like they need that lion to get extra energy, but I sometimes feel that that actually just throws things off and makes it a lot worse. You're almost jet lagging yourself a bit. You're knocking off your circadian yeah. rhythm. And I feel it like on Saturday night, I was at the pub with my friend and I was literally, I got, I was steaming and uh, I got home at like, I think it was like half 12. wasn't even mm-hmm. that late. Terrible night's sleep because obviously drinking alcohol, you have doing yeah. it's not, it's just an unconscious state. The rest of the week I've been playing catch up. So even though I've been yep. doing this early rise, that's been pure discipline because I've been exhausted in the morning because that's just mm-hmm. that. So like that was an example of alcohol there. And I always tell people that like, I used to be very stringent of being like, you don't, I'd be like, people be like, oh, I love going out at the weekend. And I used to be like, I don't want to be the person to tell that person they can't do it. But if you're going out every single weekend, and you're wondering why you're not making any progress, that's your answer. So mm-hmm. make it, I would suggest, don't cut it out because I'm not the sort of coach that tells anyone to stop doing anything. But I would probably suggest for your physical well-being and your mental well-being to do it twice max a month. That's what I would probably mm-hmm. suggest like that there. And I know that yeah, a lot of people maybe listen. Agree. They're probably listening to this and being like, no chance. But see if you are, see if you are found that you are not making any progress, you've got all your structure in place, but it's because you keep falling off. I can guarantee it will be because of that. I can. Yeah, and I think it's also, no, no, it's so true. And it's something I say to my clients. It's, I kind of have it as like a bit of a disclaimer on the bottom of all my nutrition plans that I write up where I say, I'm never going to tell you to not drink alcohol. Like that's not my approach. However, you just need to be aware that if you do drink alcohol, sleep will be affected, food choices will be worse and, and everything just snowballs from there. And I think it's also not spoken about enough, the mental health impact of drinking alcohol too. It's something that I've spoken about a lot on uh, my social media and I very rarely drink. Um, I think I had my first beer in lockdown a couple of weeks ago because it was my 30th. And I just find that every time I drink alcohol, my mental health massively becomes impacted. Um, and it got to the point where... I just kind of thought enough was enough. And if you're someone listening to this, I know it's very oversimplistic, um, but if you feel like every time you're drinking the next few days, that just stuff doesn't quite feel right. Exercise doesn't feel right. Your mood feels worse. You're a little bit more agitated, a bit snappy with the people that are around you. Like since stepping away from drinking, I honestly feel so much better for it. Yeah. And like, I, I know, like, I know the, the adverse effect it has on me. And I, I never moan about it before that reason because I know mm-hmm. that. But I think, again, it's one of these things that, like, a lot of people, as I was saying, drug abuse, alcohol abuse at the weekends, and they're wondering why they feel like a bag of dicks. And you're like, mm-hmm. Jesus Christ, man, like, you're doing this every single weekend. You're wondering yeah. why your skin's crawling, you're feeling anxious. You're like, you've literally answered mm-hmm. your own question there. So 
that was exactly that. My, my anxiety levels would just skyrocket for days um, and it just wasn't worth it in the end. And I know society nowadays is very alcohol driven. You meet up with friends, you go for a drink, yeah. you celebrate a great occasion, you open a bottle of bottle of fizz, you know, I think that it can be quite difficult to step away from that, but I don't know. I'm, I'm pretty stubborn. So I don't mind telling my mates to jog on when they're trying oh, to make me like, drink. I was but, like, when I was in the military, it was like totally the culture to get wrecked all the yeah. time. Like, and um, and I think that is, I was talking to my pal, uh, Lee Furwell, that I hadn't spoken to in like three years and we were talking the other day, and we were, not the other day, it was like a month ago, and we were actually like, see when I meet up with some of my friends in the military, like when I talk to them, it is like, we haven't even like changed, but Lee's so funny, and we were actually laughing going, how mental is it that like, he, Lee, Lee actually had bad mental health issues, and mm-hmm. he knew that drinking massively impacted it, but it's so encouraged, and we were actually mm-hmm. laughing going, how crazy is it that that is just so encouraged and they don't even question anyone's mental state. And it's like yeah. all these guys that are living in the block on their own and girls. And, uh, and it's like, they're just like, yeah, go and get absolutely pissed every single weekend. It's hilarious coming in and drunk, uh, what cool loads of funny stories. And it's like, it's not actually man. It's not a competition. Like, yeah. It's not my mental health. I, I started just, I wanted to put my mental health first. So that was just my conscious decision just to be like, that's kind of it. So if there's like a good occasion, I'll, I'll have, kind of one or two drinks um but i just feel like my mental health is far more important than a drink and enjoying it for a little bit and you know what i know people will laugh at this that drink regularly but non-alcoholic drinks are getting really good I don't know if you drink. Do you ever do you ever drink them or no, not? Yeah, don't, don't. Do you know what? It's I was very critical of it at first, but you know what? They are getting really good, and there is a weird placebo effect as well. But I know that a lot of people are going to be listening to this, going, "Please shut up." Fuck off, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I know. And like, I never thought, like, see if you went that to me, like, if I would be making a podcast talking about these points, like three and a half years ago when I was like still in the marriage well probably a bit before that when i was still like four years ago i'd have been like do one no way would i be seeing that but i totally reflecting back like to how i feel and versus how i feel now like i I totally get it i totally do and that's what we're chatting about today and i think that's the exact same as what michael's saying as well um so moving on to the last point um for anyone do we have any more points to add into that or that was i don't think so no i think we're good that was good um, for anyone that's been struggling with their mindset throughout lockdown, what would you suggest that they do to get their head in a good space right now, mate? Lockdown's been a weird one, hasn't it? I think there was, there was two camps of people when lockdown started. There was those that kind of just instantly thrived and made the most of it. And then there was those um, that, that really struggled with it and things completely went out of sync. Um, and I think the first thing to, to acknowledge is that this has been a pandemic and it's not a time for personal development really is it um our main priority right now is just getting through this period of time and surviving so if you have any kind of guilt or you're really frustrated that you haven't made the most of this time i yeah try not to think like that um and then just the cheesy saying of kind of just think about what you can change moving forward um you might not be able to jump straight back into your routine that you were doing before lockdown you might have been someone who exercised regularly you had a really good diet and now not so much just focus on the small changes first that's why i say to a lot of my clients some of them dealt with it brilliantly some of them have really struggled and it's taken a few months to kind of get things back on track and just start with really small uh, building blocks so it might just be getting that step count back up again, start drinking a bit more water every day. Let's aim for like one or two workouts a week, whatever it is you're doing now, just focus on a little thing that you can do to improve it and then build upon that when it becomes habit. But most importantly, just be kind to yourself because it is a very bizarre time. 
No, yeah, definitely. And uh, for me to add into that is like, we spoke about it already, but a solid routine. Um, and it could, it could literally be as simple as working on getting up a, a little bit earlier, switching your phone mm-hmm. off at a certain time in the evening. Because I think we are, like I, I did speak about this earlier on in the podcast. I said that um, I was realizing that I was diving straight into work and I, and I know that that wasn't good for my head. Mm-hmm. I've actually had points in my, my fitting, even throughout lockdown, where I've actually been, like, a lot of people always see me on social media and they go, God, Christian's doing so well. And I'm like, you don't know how hard I work. Like, mm-hmm. like people think that, or they, they go, that they work hard. And it's like, you don't realize that it's like, it's, it's just consistent and relentless as hell. And that can obviously, mm-hmm. throughout lockdown, there's been a few points where I've been like, I can't stop thinking like my head is just moving at 100 mm-hmm. miles an hour. So what I would suggest to you is like, have a plan in place and focus on making the tiny improvements that Michael was saying, but in areas that are going to be good for your head, spending less time in your phone, consuming more water, maybe having a healthier balance with alcohol consumption mm-hmm. once every two weeks instead of every single weekend. And again, like, I, like the reason why I, I say this is because it's what I do. I probably drink every two to three weekends. And it's not even like, oh, it comes up two weeks. Oh, it's, I better start drinking now. It's been two weeks. I'll only do it if I feel like it. But I never yeah. do it weekends back to back because it's happened a couple of times throughout this year. But I don't feel good for it. I feel like it's, by the time it's Friday, I'm only catching up on myself. And then it's back to feeling that way again. But see, thinking back to it as well with alcohol, like I remember back like years ago, you do build up a resilience to things as well. So maybe you don't think you're feeling like that. But like I have a drink now and I, like the, the effect that nine pints of beer has on me versus what it did four years ago is completely different. But again, it's a tolerance, isn't it? So, but just Yeah, try- no, it is. Like I, like I went to university as well and I drank fairly, fairly heavily for three years. I lived with people that love to go out for a drink and I did too. Um, but yeah, I, it kind of, it's just, as I said, it's a societal norm. Like it's just expected. It's like what you're expected to do. Um, so it can be quite difficult to step away from what the rest of society is doing if it is so ingrained but yeah as you said you just i have one drink now and my sleep is completely thrown off i know my tolerance now is far lower than it was before but i don't think you do fully understand the impact when you're in that good cycle of regularly drinking every almost weekend yeah no and uh, apart from that guys we don't really have much else to add in mate would you like to add in anything for your business at all michael uh yeah, I guess if people want to follow me on Instagram, my Instagram handle is Michael Ujoa PT. Ujoa is U L O A. Um, I do have my own podcast, if you don't mind me plugging it, of course, mate, uh, called Just the Fitness Tip. And it's on pretty much every podcast platform. Uh, I do that with my good buddy, Jason Auld. Um, and yeah, that's kind of it. No, um, Michael's content is absolutely excellent. I've been following him now for, I think, about 18 months or two years or so. And his content is absolutely spot on. Very honest and very good. And he portrays himself in a good way. So follow him if you don't already. And he said he's handled there. But apart from that, ladies and gents, I do not have anything else to add in. All I have to say is if you have watched the podcast, Standard Procedures, make sure that you're screenshotting it, banging it on your story and tag us both in it. But um, thank you very much for coming on the podcast today. Great chat, mate. No, thank you so much for having me, mate. Much appreciated. Catch you in a bit, guys. Bye.